The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, you know, Lloyd, this is a little different. Today, our show is about our bodies, our bodies and fitness, and what is more private than our bodies and our fitness and our health. We've talked about medical privacy. We've talked about medical health. We've talked about medical identity theft. Well, today we're going to talk about fitness and our bodies. And that is a privacy issue to to a great extent because what we take into our bodies is private, hopefully, unless we get into, you know, a 1984 type life. But um, it is important that we talk about what is going on in our bodies, what we take into our bodies, how we can be fit, how can we be healthy. We all want to, in our in this day and age, feel good, be young, look young, all that good stuff. So today we have a great guest coming to us from Chicago. And let me tell you about Michael Applebaum. He is a physician, attorney, and advocates for patients and children. He was originally trained in general surgery, and then he transitioned into diagnostic radiology, and now he limits his imaging practice to diagnostic ultrasound. He's also the director of the Anabolic Clinic and president of Fitness Med Inc., which is a fitness consulting firm, and he consults for individuals and businesses, so he's great to consult with all of us. He's known as the fitness doctor, and he firmly believes that fitness is the only real preventative medicine, which we all know to be true, but we don't always take advantage of of what we should be doing. And so really and truly, this is available to all. I know I get up at five in the morning, and I'm ready to do a lot of things, and I get distracted, and I'm ready to do my exercises. Thank God I have a golden retriever who is my fitness trainer who says you have to walk. But it is hard for a lot of us, but it is a privacy issue that we have to take care of our bodies. That is our private uh, temple, right? So um, let me tell you about some of his certificates. He has these incredible specialties. He is a master of fitness sciences. He's a certified fitness trainer. He's a certified fitness therapist. He's He's a certified youth fitness trainer. He is an endurance fitness trainer. All of these are certifications, certified specialists in performance nutrition and certified fitness in uh, certified specialists in fitness for older adults, which we are all going to be and I will be sooner than many of the people listening. So um, he's developed his programs after an open heart surgery that was only partially successful. So Dr. Applebaum, Michael is great. 
He has personally used and continues to use the programs that he himself develops. And you can find out more about him at fitnessmed.com. And he'll give us the other websites a little bit later, but I want to get into talking to him. So, Michael, thank you for joining us all the way from Chicago. Well, thank you, and best to you and your listeners. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about in terms of strength and cognitive abilities. What are some of the changes that we go undergo as we get older in age? Well, the changes that we undergo, and critical to your listening audience and the reason that they tune in, is that um, the changes that we undergo as we age are changes that actually put us at risk. They put us at risk of not only identity theft, but they put us at risk for physical harm. And the important thing to realize is that an aspect of medicine, which ought to be more prevalent but really is not, is giving people the ability to remain independent and not become the victims of predators. So as we age, the changes that we undergo, and these affect how it is that society looks at us and how we are treated by society, is a decrease in muscle mass, which means we get less strong, our body fat percentage increases, which leads us to any of a number of conditions that can affect our ability to make decisions. Our strength decreases, our endurance decreases, our bone density decreases, and our cognitive functioning also tends to decrease. So all of these changes put us at risk, and all of these changes also can be delayed or prevented through anabolic medicine. So why don't you explain to us a little bit about what is anabolic medicine? Sure. Um, The use of anabolic substances, and right now let's limit the conversation to anabolic steroids, has been around for about three-quarters of a century. And among all the reproductive hormones, because anabolic substances are generally derivatives of testosterone, among all the uh, reproductive hormones, only one, has been determined to be or classified as a controlled substance, and that happens to be testosterone. There's political intrigue behind that, and it has to do with Joe Biden and Chuck Grassley and other people in Congress who decided one day, for whatever reason, that they were going to harm athletes because it was their impression that they were abusing these substances and therefore it was not a level playing field. The bottom line to all of this is that these substances, which have value for the rest of us were made relatively unavailable and the effect was throwing out the baby with the bathwater. So anabolic medicine, which is what we practice over at the anabolic clinic, is the use of anabolic substances in the prevention of illness, in the treatment of illness, and also in one's ability to maintain their fitness. The problem that most people encounter as they age is that the expected results of fitness programs do not occur. And among them, for example, would be increasing one's lean body mass. People engage in different types of training in order to do that, but the fact is unless one is hormonally able to do that, to accrete muscle to their body, it's never going to work. It just will never work. Mm. So therefore, if people are interested in protecting themselves corporally, and if people are also interested in protecting themselves cognitively, because there is a link between fitness and the ability uh, of one's cognition um, to be maintained, then they have to really consider taking anabolic substances. The government has made that extremely difficult for us. So 
in terms of that's one thing that always scares me as I'm getting older is I, you know, I can't remember certain words or I'm thinking of a movie star that I know who it is and I can see their face, but I can't remember their name. Is that one of the things that happens or am I already really in trouble? Well, it's one of the things that happens. It's one of the things that may be reversible. It's one of the things that you'd like to prevent if you could. And the fact of the matter is that the use of anabolic substances, and in this case most commonly talking about testosterone for both men and women, because men and women each produce testosterone, the difference is in the amount that they have. In fact, women can't make estrogen without testosterone, because Mm. testosterone is a precursor molecule. So testosterone in a female actually gets turned into estrogen, and in the absence of testosterone, estrogen would not be there. So uh, the bottom line to all of this is that even such conditions as Alzheimer's and uh, type 2 diabetes, overweight and obesity, uh, osteoporosis, these conditions and grasping for words may be benefited positively through the use of anabolic substances. And so what, what's going on politically with this right now? You talked about Biden and you talked about others. So, so if someone's listening to this, and especially if they're, you know, in my age group, and they're saying, hey, this, is, this sounds like something that I want to do for my body. I want to reverse some of this aging, or I want to stay healthier. I want to be more cognitively fit, and I want to be more physically fit because it's important for me to feel good. Um, can they just go to their doctor and say, hey, give this to me? What, what happens? Well, uh, there, are a few, there are a few things about that. It, it's important to understand, I think, that the pressure comes from two directions, you know, the candles being burned in both sides. The first is that there's this whole industry of anti-aging medicine to which I do not subscribe. I don't believe that there's such a thing as anti-aging medicine. I don't believe that you could prevent aging because that comes with the passage of time. In fact, I don't believe for an instant that we have a grasp on what normal aging is because aging itself is not normal. We've only been living past the 30s for about a couple centuries and into the 50s for about one century. So we don't have a lot of experience with aging, and we would probably not know what normal aging is because we haven't been investigating this long enough. It's a relatively new phenomenon, aging. People did not live for very long. So there's an entire industry out there with its associated politics and politicking that is trying to get people to believe that there's this anti-aging cure or there's this anti-aging whatever, and that just doesn't exist. On the other side are the politicians. The politicians need, in my opinion, and I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist, but they have to be able to hold out a carrot to the voting public. And as long as they keep us sick and dependent on the government, then they always have quote-unquote health care, which is really sick care. Mm. But they have sick care to offer us for their vote. Instead of preventative medicine. Absolutely. And the only real preventive medicine is fitness. Uh, There is no other form of preventive medicine. Mm -hmm. So if one wants to maintain one's fitness, then one has to be hormonally capable of doing that. And as we age, we lose that ability. So therefore, we have to take replacements for what we're losing in order to maintain and possibly progress. And that is the essence of an approach of anabolic medicine to helping people. A lot of the conditions that affect us right now are conditions that are associated strongly with low androgens. I know I'm introducing another term. You're going to have to explain all these terms. Absolutely. An androgen is a group term 
and the group is represented by testosterone. And testosterone, as we mentioned earlier, is sort of the uh, most well-known of the anabolic substances and produced naturally in the body. As background, it's important to know that almost every chronic illness that we suffer, which makes us, and to tie this up, which makes us the potential victims of identity theft because we're not thinking right or we're dependent on somebody else, as well as physical harm, that uh, testosterone helps build tissue, and most chronic conditions are catabolic, which means that they break down tissue. Mm. So therefore, the only real cure for a catabolic condition, and catabolic conditions include heart disease, hypertension, stroke, diabetes, osteoporosis, sarcopenia, which is a loss of lean muscle mass that comes with aging, certain cancers, uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, some mental illnesses, Alzheimer. These are conditions that are characterized by low androgens and chronic illnesses that are associated with catabolism or breakdown of tissue. The only way to actually reverse that is through anabolism or the building of tissue and the only substances that do that are anabolic substances, and testosterone is the natural anabolic substance in the body that both men and women produce. There are others, but generally when we speak about anabolism, we talk about testosterone because it's the most familiar. There are some others out there. We are speaking with Dr. Michael Applebaum, who is a physician, attorney, and advocate for patients and for children, and he's talking to us about our body, and that is our private body, and what we put into it, and how we keep it fit or not keep it fit. And he can, you can find out more about him at fitnessmed.com, and also at anabolicclinic.com, and Dr. Applebaum, that's A-P-P-L-E-B-A-U-M.com. Michael, let me ask you something about this, the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, if this is such a great thing, these anabolics, um, wouldn't you think that the pharmaceutical industry would, somebody who's making these would want to really get into Congress and have them say that this is okay, that you can have this without making it such a problem? What is, is it? counterintuitive? Is it because if, if we do take those, then we won't take any of these other drugs? What's the deal? Well, that is, a, an, your, your last reason is an interesting explanation, but it, it isn't really the one that's out there. Here's the problem. Remember that these substances have been around for about three quarters of a century, and there was actually a golden era where many of these were being produced, uh, varying types, and they were actually protected by patents. In the 1980s, the generic drug movement um, really took off. And when these medications reached the point of age where they were genericized, the dollars and cents involved in selling them became not worth it to the drug industry. There was just no reason for them to do it because they couldn't turn a buck. The problem then compounded when Congress stepped in and to the credit of the conventional sick care system, for which I'm not generally a cheerleader, because I think we oversell what it is that we can do in many respects. But to the credit of conventional sick care, 
DEA, AMA, and other organizations opposed Congress's actions to try to make uh, anabolic steroids controlled substances. Oh, they opposed uh, that? I'm sorry? Did you say they opposed that? Yeah, they did. Interesting. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Biden and Grassley, uh, Biden probably more than Grassley, um, really, uh, who, who really stepped forward to make these things um, demons, uh, took it away and didn't really care what was being said by the conventional sick care system. So clearly this administration, because of Biden's prominence, is not going to do anything about it, and this administration has no concept anyway. Okay, so let's talk about the, the, the dark side. Let's talk about the demon and the demon that you just mentioned, the, that they demonized anabolics. So what were some of the, I mean, I hear about steroids and everybody goes, ooh, steroids is, you know, it's terrible. So what are some of the um, burdens that we see with, with anabolic steroids and what are some of the, the problems that we see and, and some of the myths about them? Well, I think it's important to understand that, by and large, anabolic steroids are remarkably safe medications. The athletes who were the target of the smear campaign against anabolic steroids are known to take over 100 times the dosage of steroids that would be used to replace a person's normal physiologic levels. Now, this is Bunyan-esque in amount. Mm. If you look at the over 100 times and put that into perspective, that means somebody who runs a minute in 10, I'm sorry, a mile in 10 minutes, if that person did 100 times faster, it would take them about six seconds, which is the rate of 600 miles per hour, about the speed of sound at 20,000 feet of altitude. Mm-hmm. The United States is 3,000 miles from coast to coast. If it were 100 times wider, it would measure 300,000 miles, which is about 25% more than the distance from the Earth to the Moon, you get it around the equator twelve times. Yeah. So anything that you take excessively, any kind of drug that you would take excessively, even drugs that are over the counter, could could be very, very, very dangerous and kill you. Absolutely. And you know the safety profile of some of these OTC over the counter medications is not anywhere near as good as the safety profile of anabolic steroids. So, for example, a mere seven grams of Tylenol where the daily dose is up to 4 grams. So if you just go 75%, not 100 times, but a mere 0.75 times more than what's considered to be the maximum daily dose, you're in the toxicity range over there. There has never been a known toxic overdose of an anabolic steroid. Oh, so that's why people could just keep taking more and more and get more and more buff. Well, that's, that's why people do, and there's a law of diminishing returns also. I mean, it's like you keep taking this stuff, and you're going to keep getting bigger, 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 bigger. Otherwise, we'd have, you know, 5,000-pound football players, right, all of them. Right, right. muscle. But the but, point being about... that the stuff is relatively safe, and the horrors associated with it are actually overblown by a huge what, amount. What about the impotency? You know, I've, I've read about that, that if you take the steroids that you get impotent, or if, you know, some of these guys who took too much, they have some of these side effects. What are some of the side effects of taking well, too much? in therapeutic dosages, depending on what you're trying to achieve, uh, you don't tend to get sterile. Um, the, the fact of the matter is that testosterone, if you talk to guys who take anabolic steroids of a different form and then they take testosterone, bodybuilding types, 
they actually get their libido back. So testosterone is a way of uh, enhancing the libido for both men and women, but at much higher doses, it clearly, clearly shuts down the production of sperm. And in fact, um, some of the things that we do over at the anabolic clinic have to do with male contraception. There are some individuals who are interested in participating in the contraceptive, quote-unquote, burden together with their partners. Mm. And we use testosterone for that. It's remarkably safe, and it is reversible. And uh, there have been some, several large studies to show by the World Health Organization to show that uh, testosterone is an effective male contraceptive. So it, so it depends on dose. Yeah, the, so they the, don't have the, to get a vasectomy and they get buff. Well, it's more than just buff. I mean, yeah. buff is clearly an attraction. Right, right. But the fact is that um, the current belief is that, for example, prostate cancer is an illness of low testosterone because it occurs in the aging male uh-huh. when testosterone produ- production is generally down. It is possible that testosterone administration would prevent the development of prostate cancer in some individuals. It's also good for body composition. People who take androgens or anabolic substances tend to have less body fat, even without going through rigorous training. Just the very fact that they're taking the substance can decrease their amount of body fat, which means that their likelihood of developing certain bad illnesses like type 2 diabetes is diminished. Hmm. And one of the things that's associated strongly with Alzheimer's is a protein that collects in the brain that has been shown to be in association with low testosterone levels. Interesting. So it is possible that it may stave off the development of something like Alzheimer. Huh. Now, when you were talking about that it um, it can increase the libido in males and females, yes. I, I would imagine that the, the maker of Viagra might not like that. Or is Viagra only for, for a physical ailment? I mean, I, you know, I mean, it's well, not interestingly, just... in about half of the people who take um, drugs for erectile dysfunction, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the drugs tend not to work. And one of the reasons that they tend not to work is because the individual's testosterone is low. So you need a normal testosterone, whatever normal is for that individual, because the normal range is quite broad according to laboratory testing. But whatever is normal for that individual, uh, you need to have that for the ED drugs to work. Wow. So, so if, if people are driving by and they're listening and they're saying, you know, this sounds like something that, that might be good for me. So, you know, and, and you're in Chicago. <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, when people listen online and they're in Chicago, but what do they do? What should they be doing? Can they go to their doctor and say, I, I want something like this or what? I think many physicians, uh, at least to my knowledge, are uncomfortable with this. Um, and one of the things that we do is we work with out-of-state patients through their physicians in order to assist them in regulating uh, the androgens that they take. That's one possibility. Mm-hmm. Are they, possi- I'm sorry, I was, was going to say... Explore your local area and see whether somebody there um, strikes you as qualified to work together with you in order to put you on a, a program of uh, androgen administration. So w- when you say a lot of these doctors don't want to do it or they're afraid to do it or whatever, w- what's that all about? Well, remember, these drugs have been demonized. They're okay. controlled substances, which right. means that uh, you have to have special storage facilities 
the authorities uh. can be breathing down your neck. Um, it is not the most comfortable of medicine to practice by design because the intent was to hurt athletes, so they hurt everybody. Right. And when they hurt everybody, that includes hurting physicians who were opposed to this. So um, it's just a bad situation. And when you talk about a sick care delivery system and we talk about, let's say, the current financial situation in which the country finds itself, I would submit that the cost of sick care is not the issue. The cost is that it goes, the issue is that the cost goes for so many years. If you have an illness that you would develop during the last six months of your life when you happen to be 95, for example, mm-hmm. but you develop it at the age of 40 and you have to treat it for 55 years, right. that is hugely more expensive. So considering that this is a form of disease prevention, and considering it's a form of disease reversal, because nothing reverses catabolic illnesses, illnesses that break down tissue, which tend to be chronic illnesses, except for anabolic substances. So we are under-treating many chronic conditions. And when you consider that a lot of the cost has to do with loss of independence and dependency on others, right. which means people, incidentally, to segue into part of our topic, which means that people are the victim. You know, most people who abuse elders are their caregivers. That's the number one. Exactly, exactly. And, in fact, a recent article that came out from the U.K. was suggesting that many elderly individuals are actually having their human rights violated by their caregivers, and privacy concerns were one of it, as well as theft and physical abuse. Right. It's the same in this country, incidentally. It's just that the article recently came out from the U.K., Right. So uh, the bottom line to this is that we can go a long way to solving any of a number of our problems if we were to make these things available and people were to follow a prescribed course of administration of anabolic substances. So let's say that, you know, people out here in California, and again, this is nationwide, people can listen anywhere, but let's say someone wants to consider beginning a regiment, when, when should they do that? Well, um, it's my opinion, and it'll vary, but it's my opinion, because there are no hard and fast rules, that at the age of 40, people should consider taking anabolic substances. And this goes for men and women, unless women are interested in reproducing still. Uh, They should probably wait until they've made the decision to no longer reproduce, because anabolic substances can have uh, untoward effects on a fetus. But once that decision is made, I would recommend exploring it at the age of 40 because that's when you tend to drop naturally your levels of testosterone. And again, we're talking only about testosterone now. There are other anabolic substances that are available, but generally this is where people begin. Okay, so so let's say they begin with that. Can they just take that, or do they have to now start and take a whole bunch of them? I mean, is that something that they, how does that work? No, uh, testosterone is generally pretty good for both men and women, though I would suggest that women consider a couple different substances uh, just because uh, testosterone, if it's not given in the proper dosage, can cause uh, women to virilize, which is to um, develop certain characteristics of males like a lower voice, perhaps some facial hair, things like that. Mm-hmm. A couple mm-hmm. other substances that are available, one is called nandrolone, uh, which is an injectable, and the an oral substance known as Anivar uh, is available. 
still for human beings. Many of the really good medications that were available for human use have either been thrown onto the veterinary side or have been outlawed. Oh, so uh, I should go get it for my dog? <laughs> well, you get the prescription for your dog, and then you race him or her to the bowl to see who gets to use it. <laughs> but um, oh. there, there are probably better substances for women to take at this point in time. Uh, there is a testosterone gel that uh, women can apply uh, in a much lower concentration than for men. But um, the, the oral stuff that's out there is uh, remarkably expensive at this point, unfortunately, in part because uh, there's no real competing medications. A lot of them have been uh, removed from the shelves, as it were. Well, and it's an unfortunate sitch, uh, one thing that people can explore, and clearly I'm not trying to advocate for individuals to break the law, but uh, if you know... Uh, individuals who are in the bodybuilding domain who seem to have success above and beyond what you'd expect from a normal human being, they may have a means of obtaining some of these things at a hugely discounted price. And by hugely discounted, uh, perhaps uh, as, as a factor of hundreds less than you would pay uh, through a regular pharmacy. Well, Michael, we are out of time. I just want to send everybody to fitnessmed.com. They can learn more. And thank you so much for your brilliance and helping us to see more about what options are for our bodies. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. And, of course, a little belated, but wishing everybody who's listening a happy, healthy, wonderful new year. Okay. Thank you very much. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. right here on KUCI and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. Thanks. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.